I am Grandpa, and I love you. I'm Grandma, and I love you too. Welcome to our podcast, Grandpa and Grandma Bedtime Stories. We share some stories that will make you laugh. We share stories that might make you cry. And we share stories that will give you courage to choose the right. And these bedtime stories will help you to dream sweet dreams. So get on your pajamas and say your prayers. Turn out the light and hear our story tonight. Good morning. This is Grandpa Edward Jeffrey Hill, and tonight's bedtime story is about friendship and how important it is to be a good friend. A good friend will be with you when you're happy, when you're sad, even when you're mad. A good friend will have your back in hard times. This story took place during my senior year at Washington High School in 1970 and 1971. You will remember from a previous story that in my junior year, I had played on the high school junior varsity basketball team and the high school varsity team. I played most of the junior varsity games, but usually sat on the bench during the varsity games unless we were very far ahead or very far behind. There was one exception to this, which I related in a grandpa and grandma bedtime story called Four Seconds That Changed My World, a basketball story. If you want to listen to it again, it is season two, episode nine. In that story, I told in vivid detail that with less than one minute to play and trailing Rogers High School by one point, my coach unexpectedly called on me to substitute into the game. He gave me clear instructions. He told me to steal the ball and then immediately call timeout. He told me not to dribble, pass, or shoot. Just call timeout. I went in, stole the ball, and then called timeout. I was in the game for a grand total of four seconds, or 4,000 milliseconds. By the way, a millisecond is one thousandth of a second. To find out how the game ended, you'll just have to listen to Season 2, Episode 9. Even though this one moment on the varsity team was very satisfying, when it came time for basketball tryouts the next year, I had second thoughts about being on the team. I thought that I had better things to do with my time than practicing basketball three hours a day and probably sitting on the bench 99% of the time. And as a senior, I could not play on the junior varsity team. After a lot of consideration and even a little prayer, I decided to forego school basketball my senior year and instead work out for the triple jump. I loved to play basketball, and so I would play on our church basketball team instead. It would be a lot less work, less pressure, and I would get to play a lot more. This epic was the heyday of church basketball in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Do you know what the word epic means? Epic means a period of time in history marked by notable events. Well, this epic was the golden age of church basketball. There were basketball courts in almost every church building. In fact, in smaller church buildings, they built the basketball court before they built the chapel. I remember going to sacrament meeting in Castle Valley, Utah, and thinking it was kind of strange that the pulpit was underneath the basketball hoop. Almost every ward or congregation of the church had a boys' and a men's basketball team which played in basketball leagues. These leagues were well-organized and very formal. 
all high school rules were followed. Referees were called and given training. Everyone on the team had to wear uniforms that matched exactly. The jerseys had to match and have legal numbers. The shorts had to match and be of the same color as the jerseys. Even the socks had to match. Only the shoes didn't have to match. They could be white Converse or black Converse. And they could be high top or low top. The basketball team was a source of pride for the ward. Many members of the congregation, not just the parents, would come to the games to cheer. Some wards even had cheerleaders. Every team played in a league comprised of all the wards in their stake. This was church basketball, but boys and men who were not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints could play, as long as they attended some church meeting during the month. It could be one of the Sunday meetings, or it could be a weekday meeting. At the end of the season, there was an all-church tournament. The winner from each stake would play in a regional tournament. The winner from each regional tournament would play in a divisional tournament. The winner from each of the 39 divisional tournaments would come to Salt Lake City for the all-church tournament. Phew! Needless to say, in 1970 and 1971, basketball was a big deal in the church. In the fall of 1970, I was a member of the Tacoma 7th Ward in the Mount Rainier Stake in Pierce County, Washington. It met just across the street from Franklin Pierce High School on 112th Street in an area called Summit, just south of the boundaries of the city of Tacoma, Washington. We had a full-court basketball inside the church where we played frequently. We even had showers in the building where we could wash up after sweating so much. That way, we wouldn't stink when we went home. Our bishop, Bishop Byron Christensen, was a very good man. He wanted everyone to be involved in our community of saints in Tacoma 7th Ward. In September of 1970, he called Don—I don't remember his last name—to be our coach. Don was a member of the church but did not attend church, and he was a paraplegic. Do you know what paraplegic means? A paraplegic is a person affected by paralysis of the legs and lower body. A paraplegic cannot move their legs and lower body. I remember Don could not walk and had to use a self-propelled manual wheelchair to do everything he had to do in his life. Because he had to push himself everywhere, he had epic muscles in his arms. Don was quite self-sufficient. He had a special van that he could drive without using his feet. He had a good job and supported himself. But he was a crusty sort of person, having had to live a difficult life. He sometimes used language that you don't usually hear at church. I didn't even know what some of the words he would use even meant, but I could tell by the tone that they were swear words. Everyone in the ward wondered why the heck the bishop was calling this crusty old paraplegic to be our basketball coach. We thought, didn't the bishop want us to win? We complained a little bit about it. Bishop Christensen just smiled and said, trust me. We soon found out how wrong we were to doubt the inspiration of the bishop. We found out that even though he was old, crusty, and a paraplegic— 
Don was one of the best wheelchair basketball players on the best wheelchair basketball team in the whole state. We found out that he loved basketball, studied the game constantly, and loved to win. The bishop announced Don's calling in sacrament meeting in September 1970 and that practice would be starting the following Tuesday. We thought that was amazing because the season didn't start until December. And usually, if we had practice on the church team, we would start just the week before the game. We loved basketball and were delighted to start practicing early. At our first practice, we were goofing around in the church gym when Coach Don swung open the doors with his wheelchair, stopped, and blew his whistle. We would soon know the sound of his whistle very well. He loved to blow that whistle. I know some of my grandchildren like to blow whistles, too. Coach Don blew his whistle loud and then shouted, Line up on the baseline! We lined up. He wheeled up to the head of the line, and then, as he rolled down the line, he made eye contact with each of us. And then he gave the first of many speeches. It went something like this. I didn't know if I wanted to coach you, but I made up my mind to do it. And you must know that I am a winner. I expect that each of you will take this team seriously. I expect you to be at every practice. I expect you to hustle all the time. I expect you to sacrifice for your teammates. I expect you to be friends with each other and to have each other's back. And I expect you to win. I want to take our team to Salt Lake City to the all-church tournament. Then he wheeled back so that he could see us all. He continued, If there are any who can't or won't do this, you can go home right now. Then he swung his head and motioned toward the door. I know that commitment is not for everyone. Wow. I felt both excited and scared at the same time. This coach was tougher than my high school coach. In fact, I thought, if this guy were my high school coach, we'd win the state championship. I realized that playing on this team would take a lot of time, but at least I would be able to play a lot, and I would be with my friends. It's always good to have friends, especially true friends who have your back. Coach Don jolted me out of my thoughts and spoke again. Okay, men, since we are going to be winners, we will need to practice, and practice a lot. We will practice in the afternoon on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then we will practice at YMMIA on Wednesday nights. YMMIA, then, was the same as what young men is now. Don continued, I know it requires commitment to practice that much. Now all of you who can give 100% this season, step forward now. Everyone else, pack your bags. All eight of us stepped forward. I looked down at the row of the boys on our team. We had three high school seniors who were 17 or 18 and five deacons who were 12 and 13 years old. Coach Don also looked us over carefully inside. Well, men, it looks like we are going to need more players. Do any of you have friends, preferably who are good basketball players? Do you know of anyone who was on your high school team last year but isn't playing ball this year? As soon as he said that, I immediately thought of my friend Randy Hester. He was a fantastic basketball player but was not turning out for the high school team this year because he wanted to spend more time on his art. 
He liked to do sculpture and to do stained glass windows. And he was a true friend. We liked each other and would do things that were a little bit crazy. You remember in a previous bedtime story about how we would go to the International Fountain at the Seattle Center, and I would climb out on the limb of a tree and then jump on top of him, and we would pretend to fight for a few seconds. Then we would laugh, stand up, and take a bow. If you want to hear that story again, it is Season 2, Episode 47. The next day at school, I invited Randy to play on our basketball team. I told him that we really needed him. I asked him if, as a good friend, he would join the team. I told him about the worldwide basketball competition and how fun it would be to play in that. It didn't take too much convincing, and in just a couple of minutes, he said, I'm all in. Randy was a true friend. He supported me when I needed him. I also asked another friend, Steve Volker, to play. Steve was very athletic, but had never turned out for school sports. He lived with his mom, his stepdad, and his sister Liz. I always liked Steve because he was active in the church on his own. From the age of 12, he went to church and all the church activities without any support from his family. When I was a deacon, sometimes I wasn't really interested in church and wondered if I would go to church if my family didn't. It impressed me that my friend Steve had a strong enough personal testimony of the gospel as a deacon to go to church every week on his own, even without his family. I desired to have that kind of testimony of the church and of Jesus Christ. One thing I remember about Steve is that his family had a talking parrot. When I was at Steve's house, it was so cool to hear that parrot blurt out things every so often. One thing the parrot would occasionally shout is, Shut up! This made me wonder if Steve's stepdad or mom might yell that at the family sometimes. I hope not. The funniest thing the parrot did was to imitate the telephone. Do you know what the word imitate means? You probably do. You are so smart. Just in case you don't, imitate means to copy a person's speech or mannerisms, especially for comic effect. Steve's parrot imitated the telephone very well, and it was very comical. Out of the blue, he would imitate the sound of the ring. Ring! Ring! And then he would say, Hello! And then would mumble something. And I laughed so hard. It was so funny. Steve was excited to join the team when he heard that Randy was going to be playing. He said, I was going to play on the church team, but I didn't want to play with a bunch of deacons. If you and Randy are playing, I'm all in. At our next practice, our team had grown. In addition to Randy and Steve, two other high school sophomores joined the team, Roger Inman and Bundy Simpson. Now we had seven players in high school to go with our five deacons. Can you guess how many players we had now? Of course you can. Seven plus five is 12. Now we had 12 players on our team. At our next practice, Coach Don looked over the team and said, Hey, now we've got something. We've got a team. Let's go to work. Well, that's all the time I have for tonight. 
At our next bedtime story, I will tell you about how we prepared to be a team that would run the tables to the all-church tournament. It was hard, but we learned we could do hard things. And I hope you will remember about friendship and how important it is to be a good friend. A good friend will be with you when you're happy, when you are sad, even when you're mad. A good friend will have your back in the hard times. Now, sweet dreams, basketball teams, sleep tight, and go to bed at night. I love you. We hope you enjoyed tonight's bedtime story. We hope you felt our love for you. And we hope you will have sweet dreams tonight. We love you so much.